You're listening to The Long Game Podcast with Sandra Scaiano. In a world where everyone is doing, it's easy to get lost in a sea of comparison, secret tricks, and promises of overnight success. The Long Game is my approach to business, the actual day-in and day-out philosophy that you have to show up, you have to do the work, and there's no quick fixes for long-term success. I'm a web designer, digital strategist, and energetic thinker, and I'm here to share the process and lessons I experience with my clients daily who are going through the same struggles of building a business as you are. We'll hear from successful entrepreneurs sharing their long game strategies, and I'm fun, so we're going to have a little fun along the way too. Thanks for being here. Let's get to today's episode. The long game is activism through art. This past week, we have seen civil unrest in cities and towns across America. I not only stand with, but work toward anti-racism in myself and my community. And I really wanted to acknowledge what's been happening this week in this podcast. There are some amazing resources that are being circulated to read and to listen to in support of that work and to help you on your personal journey. And some that I feel aren't mentioned. So today I'm bringing different resources forward and we'll be talking about activism through art. The New York Times has been doing a series of op-eds in their philosophy section called Big Ideas, Why Does Art Matter? Over a dozen artists, writers, and thinkers have contributed and answered the question, why does art matter? It's a look at art from different viewpoints and very much in the now. One op-ed is by art dealer David Zwerner, titled, Art is how we justify our existence, our technologies, our tools, but our creative works carry the wisdom of the world. In it, he writes, art is not something that happens at the periphery of our lives. It's actually the thing that's right there in the center, a veritable engine. You know, the title alone is thought-provoking, especially in these times of COVID and racial protests and Black Lives Matter. He really hit something there that it's in the center of us. I've got a BFA, which is a Bachelor of Fine Art, and I studied art in its various forms. I loved art history, and art school was where I was introduced to the concept of semiotics, which is basically the study of signs and symbols. It's communication through symbols, an important thread through art history to today. You know, so important a concept that I took an entire class called Art and Semiotics. And as I look back on it now, it's really interesting that I work in branding and crafting messages. But there were many late nights in the art studio creating work that fit into the confines of the assignments that we were given. It was very Project Runway, (laughs) long before that even entered the lexicon. And there was experimentation. There was time for finding yourself or discovering your voice and honing your point of view. And then we would have these very public critiques where your work and your ideas were analyzed to the detail. Were you getting your point across? Were you using your tools? It was out in the open, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, all the comments, but it was part of the process of honing your voice. Being told that you were not being clear in your message was an honest and sometimes said in too harsh a way statement that forced you to rethink your message. It forced you to reevaluate how you were communicating, and also rethinking the depths of your communication. I was very impressed by the female activist artists that art school had introduced me to. You know, ones that had something to say with their work or a commentary on society. 
My generation of study included artists such as Barbara Kruger, Carrie Mae Weems, Cindy Sherman, Lorna Simpson, Diane Arbus, and Judy Chicago. You know, her famous dinner party is an installation that is a symbolic history of women in Western history and what they were doing and what they brought to the forefront. And I was able to experience that in person at the Brooklyn Museum. So these women were creators. They were creators out of the time that they lived and they brought their experiences to the work in its different visual forms. And their design, quote unquote, was totally new. So Barbara Kruger, she would always do a black and white image with red boxes that then in the text were boxes. And this bold text over her imagery is what we see now by the minute on Instagram. And Cindy Sherman, her technique was the selfie, you know, dressing up in these different characters and photographing herself, again, 40 years before its proliferation on social media. So their themes of all of these women were feminism and classism, politics, cultural identity and power. All of the themes that we still address and in our art today and in our lives today, you know, decades later. So here's a quote from Sonny Rollins, the jazz musician, who was also included in the uh, New York Times pieces. In art, we can find a humbling sort of wisdom. We see themes and ideas repeat over many lifetimes. Those ideas don't belong to any one person. And as they evolve, disappear, and reappear, they remind us that regardless of what's happening now, our lives on this earth will always be part of something bigger. But in our current time, a new set of activist artists have emerged, and not only to comment on our society, but to spark change in it. Quote, but when art is meaningful and substantive, Viewers can become enlightened, inspired, and empowered. And this can lead to change, which we urgently need by Judy Chicago. Art comes out of these times in our lives that you are living, out of what is your experience. I have learned that the most impactful art comes from what we are most connected to, what you are living. Years of art school critiques and that my thoughts are off the mark, you know, that I really wasn't saying much. You know, the grad students who I looked up to never paying me or my work much attention. Then by my senior year of college, I started on the most personal art journey of my life, creating out of my own experience, out of my memories of what was being said to me on the streets, how I was viewed in society and how I was treated in society. My art and writing of my thesis were the most impactful art creations of my life. And at the opening of the art show, I was greeted by professors and grad students who heard my voice and saw my message. And that was really impactful to me because there was a long period of not knowing that voice. So when I really honed in on the artwork and made the work that came from my own experience, the message was clear. So art, it's essential to activism. The most powerful created by people who are living the experience. Ones that can bring forth their point of view and their pain. Significant change can only occur if we shift our focus to the work of those artists who have had the courage to show us who we are and what we are doing. Judy Chicago. And artists have been taking their work and message to the streets and social media. I've been a fan of street art for many years and have my own personal collection that I've captured with my camera through my days of living in New York City and Brooklyn. And there's a pulse and you can feel that with street art. Much 
of the street posting artwork that we have seen in the 2000s pulls references and imagery that was developed back in the 1920s that incorporated bold graphics and colors. You know, this revolution propaganda was posted on walls and store windows. You know, its message was eye-catching and quick to relay. And that is semiotics. This week, as protesters across America join forces to say no to police brutality, it is artwork, illustrations, graphics, and portraiture that help folks to organize, coordinate, and fight back. It's offerings by artists like Ashley Lukashevsky, Monica Trinidad, and Miriam Mosqueda, and others that will light up our social media feeds and aid us in saying that we are here and we've had enough. And that's a quote by Kimberly Drew, who is a author and curator from an article in Teen Vogue that I'll link to in the show notes. Social media has been a huge outlet for activism, you know, from spreading the message and sharing the actual news clips to raising funds. You know, hashtags have become the slogans. The ability to share and participate and reach is something that is very unique to this technology and this time that we are living in. It also raises another issue. Is it enough? Does your support stop at one black box? Is there a deeper connection to the movement? Not only are these questions being asked, they are being posed as challenges. Social media is being used to challenge its own borders. Go do more. Go do something off social media. And you have to draw your own personal conclusions as to what you share. What portion of your journey do you put back up on social media? You know, so many of these questions go back to last week's podcast about owning your own story with April Pertwee. If you haven't listened to it afterwards, just go back and, and check that out. It's a really great interview. And in one segment, we talked about, you know, whose story is it if it involves others? I mean, that's a whole nother piece to this puzzle. But I'm talking about this because as business owners, we are on social media so much. Think about how you want to communicate. Whose message are you sharing? And what is the reason you're sharing it? You know, now is the time to ask yourself more questions before posting. You know, there's a risk in being an art activist. You know, your whole mission is to share your views widely. Just a quote, risk is part of making art. What you're doing is essentially opening yourself up and putting your thoughts, ideas, and way of responding to the world on display for people to come and look at. And you don't know if people will embrace it. That's by an environmental activist, artist, Aaron Staples. Messages now are so vital that they carry a risk to the activists' lives and livelihoods. You know, there is always a group who wants to keep things the same or else they would have changed long ago. You know, it's clashing with this ideology with your ideas and momentum, you know, that is the risky part. You don't know what the outcomes of your voice will be. Yet, as an activist, you must charge forward. And I love the question posed by political artist Lorna Simpson, who asked, how do we move from pain to power? So the YWCA of Northern New Jersey has been using art to further their mission with the Clothesline Project. You know, they use it to raise awareness of violence against women, men, and children, and to demonstrate that to survivors that they are not alone. The Clothesline Project features thousands of t-shirts created by survivors of sexual violence, domestic violence, child abuse, and death as a result of personal violence. Creating shirts promotes healing by providing survivors and their loved ones with an avenue to break the silence. And then the t-shirts are displayed in the public forum. And they are really are a 
healing experience with the art and the the expression that goes into them. And they're an awareness experience. So it's really a great way to move from pain. So another quote by David Zorner is, art lifts us up. In the end, I think its mission is simply to make us better people. Art activists have something to say, and they speak for us as a collective, if you share their views. And they do it in a way that you might not be able to. And that's what is really cool. And it also allows us to look at the art and just take time with it and think about another perspective or what they're trying to say. There's really nothing else that allows us to do that except art. So I invite you this week to visit the show page for today's episode at thelonggamepodcast.net. I've got links to all of the artists I spoke about today, and I'd love for you to check them out and see what their message is, what their voice is, what they are promoting. And I'm going to put other links up as well, just so that we're exposed to something different and you can draw your own conclusions. And I'm also going to link to the YWCA of Northern New Jersey, whose mission is to eliminate racism and empower women. And I can't think of a better organization to support nationwide. You know, change starts here with their programming and the support that they provide to women and families. So if you make a donation to the YWCA of Northern New Jersey or your local chapter, you know, send me a copy of your receipt, just a screenshot, and I will match the donation up to $500 to my YWCA of Northern New Jersey. The work that they do is year round. So you can get involved and help in your own community. And it doesn't have to just be this time, this one thing that you're doing. So thank you for listening today. There's a lot to go on and I'll see you next week. Thanks for joining me today. You can access more info in the show notes at thelonggamepodcast.net. If today's show connected with you in some way, please share it with your friends or hop on iTunes and leave me a review. Until next time, keep playing the long game. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.